Blog Talk Radio. What is up? My name is Rick Riggin. You have entered the option pitch. Apparently, we got that purple Lamborghini lurking, even though that just sounded really corny. sounded better in my head right before I just said it. But uh, welcome to the show. Uh, with me tonight, as always, at, you know, I've only done this show two more times than this guy. It's Kenny Galloway. Kenny, what's up? Hey, how you doing, Rick? Nice to be on again, buddy. All right, Kenny, this is called the Morse Ab Alto episode. Do you know what Morse Ab Alto means? Not offhand. I can't, I can't say I do. That is a Latin phrase. It is an Air Force motto for death from above. The Morse Ab Alto episode. I learn something new every day. Now, do you know any Air Force veterans? I, I think uh, there may be one on this radio right now. Uh, that is correct. On the, and On the <laughs> other end, yeah. On this very bad uh, lead-in to uh, Veterans Day is tomorrow, uh, what I'm really just trying to get at and want to say that there are really no words good enough, and there's not a thank you big enough that you know for our men and women in uniform, past and present. And I would like to say for myself and my family and the uh, Option Pitch family is just give you one big, big-ass thank you for everything you do and protecting us and uh, keeping us safe. And uh, that's really just uh, my two cents. Uh, Kenny, do you have two cents for America? Oh, yeah, that's 100% correct right there. They give us the freedom to actually be doing this show right now. I mean, you just, like you said, you cannot thank them enough. And just thank everybody that's still out there in, in, in the in the uh, military. It's just it's, it, They're awesome. That's, you can't really thank them enough at all. I, I'm also one of those. I always feel weird in public because, you know, I have an Air Force tattoo in my left arm, and sometimes my sleeve will ride up just enough, and somebody will see it. They'll ask me about it. They'll thank me for my service, and I feel kind of weird at times And because uh, I just feel like I put on the, you know, the, the country's uniform, really, but put on the uniform and just did my job. It was really non-glamorous. So what I did in the Air Force, I was a jet engine mechanic on the uh, A-10 aircraft, and uh, even though I never got the chance because of things, you know, how war was fought back in 01 to 05 and what our missions were then, even though I did serve during Operation Iraqi Freedom, Operation Enduring Freedom, you know, I was involved the whole shock and awe campaign. You know, Kenny, you know about that, yeah. listeners. Uh, you know, that was stuff that we did, but, you know, I was stationed at Davis Mountain Air Force, Air Force Base in Tucson. And I never left Arizona. I never got to go overseas and, you know, put in my two cents that way, you know, but I'm just really thankful. And I have a lot of pride, you know, when it comes to my, my Air Force, uh, you know, history or background, you know, things, you know, my Air Force service, I guess I should say. And the other thing about me is when I joined the Air Force, my first day of basic training was September 5th of 2001 and we all know about september 2001 so september 11th 2001 happened that was my sixth day of basic training so you you can imagine you know scared yeah i was scared angry that, that's, that's unreal damn right i was angry you know i wasn't even basic training 
for a, a full week yet, and September 11th happened. You know, we haven't gone to a war, you know, you know, a, a big war, really. We had some little conflicts here and there throughout the 90s, you know, operations here and there. But, you know, the, the one that stuck out is the Gulf War, late 80s, early 90s. We haven't had a conflict like that all the way through the 90s and then up until the point where, you know, I joined, go to basic training, and then September 11th happens, and it changes America's course, changes our military's course, the way fought basically for our country changed on that day and that's my first week of basic training so and it, it hit it hit home as soon as you seen that on you know september um 11th i mean it just hits home whenever it's in the homeland like that i mean it just hit hard i, I i'll never forget that day i don't think any any american will where was you at on that day what was you doing i was actually work. i was working at centos at the time i was going in on second shift and then because that and it happened in the morning and then I went in at like two thirty in the afternoon to work. And I just didn't, I couldn't concentrate on work, so I just left early. I mean, just to go home and you know, just be with the friends and family. It was just too much to think about. It just <clears throat> that day. I mean, you just remember that day like it was yesterday. It's unreal. Yeah, you know, and the thing is, uh, you, my, my flight and uh, in the Air Force, you know, in the armies you have platoons. You know, you know what I mean. In the Air Force, they're called flights. You know, it's like sixty or sixty to seventy of us there, our flight and basic training. Uh, we didn't get the full effect of it like everybody did. We never got to see it live on TV. We didn't get to see, you have have the impact of it, you know, like, like people felt. You know, we weren't allowed to watch TV that day or listen to the radio because you're in basic training. What we were able yeah. to do that night, though, was we got to gather around, you know, computer, you know, our, our, our instructor had a laptop and brought it out and showed some pictures, a couple of articles and you know, and that anger and that and that fear that you had, uh, for me anyway, and I know my brothers and my flight also, that was motivation the rest of the way out. And, uh, you know, I carried that motivation through me. So, all, you know, I separated in 2005, honorable discharge, in September 6th of 2005. So, full of pride, uh I love my Air Force. I, I love my bro- brothers and sisters that, that serve our country. So it, it's very important to me to give them the biggest thank you that I can, even though, you know, I was with you back back in 01 through 05. But the post-9-11 military, it, 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 it's a different world out there. It's unreal because, you you, you know, until until something happens like that, you, you know it can, there's always a chance of something happening, but you really don't ever think it's going to happen until it does. And when it does, it just hits home so hard. And it just it's something that just stays with you. It stays with you. It never goes away. And something else crazy about that day, and this is a true story, is uh, if there's any, any service members listening now, uh, you probably had something similar. You know, you get to basic training. You're there for a couple of days. You know, at some At some point within your first week, and uh, in the Air Force anyway, they, they do this, our – the, the, the squadron commander, the one that looked over our, our training flight, you know, there's several flights there at our training center in basic, you know, he, I don't remember his name, but his rank, he he was a major that that was his rank and goes around to all the flights and gets everybody together and tells you the things that what to expect, you know, what they expect from you, what to expect during training. Cause you're going to get thrown you know, a real world type situations that you, even though it's not real world, it, it, it's training, 
training situations, basically, and tells what to expect and things like that. And then uh, here we go, two hours later, we get told this happened in, in New York, you know, 9-11. And a lot of us are already thinking, well, maybe this is one of those training things that they're trying to throw at us, see how we react. Maybe we're going to go out and do something, you know, because there, there's no way in hell that somebody's going to do that to our country and knock down our buildings, attack us in that way. Yeah, you know, It just didn't sound real, especially two hours before that happened. We we literally had that that meeting with the uh, our squadron commander about what to expect and everything, you know, real world, real world versus what's going to be training. And it just didn't sound believable. So, but it turned out that it was, you know, like I said, the uh, anger and fear turned into motivation. Uh, I almost said hate kind of like star Wars, but <laughs> you know, it went to the dark side, but, uh, Oh yeah. That motive. Yeah. But, uh, I just, once again, thank you to all the men and women past and present, uh, throughout Twitter today that I, I promoted this show, even though this was supposed to happen last night and I had a technical issue. I've reached out to the veterans today that go ahead, call in, hang out with us, talk sports, uh, tell us about your service. I, I gave you a little bit of mine, you know, even though I, I I don't really like doing that. I did anything really all that glamorous, but you know, a lot of you did. A lot of you did get to go overseas. A lot of you were on, you know, served the country in that way. I didn't get that. Uh, but definitely call in the show if, if you have 773-897-6327. But Kenny, anything else for the uh, for the veterans? It just it, thank thank everybody out there that is in the armed forces and has been in the armed forces. Without you guys, we wouldn't be able to do anything we do today. It's just it, it's a it's a blessing uh, to have you guys serve for us in our country. Hit the nail on the head, man. I can't say it any better. So thank you, veterans. With that, the option pitch starts right now. So with that, veterans, I told you reach out 773-897-6327. Uh, reach out on Twitter at Option Pitch or myself, Riggin underscore at Riggin underscore Rick. Uh, after the show, it would be available on iTunes, TuneIn, Podcast Addict, and I even started up a YouTube channel. But you had to specifically search at the moment the Option Pitch Radio Show. Also, you can email the show at Option Pitch at gmail.com on the show tonight college football playoffs armed forces matchup college basketball is here and ufc 205 so kenny you ready to rock and roll i am ready ready and willing college football playoffs man uh there has been one change but we saw it coming because texas a&m was the fourth ranked team and they got beat saturday so now washington at nine and oh slides up it takes over the number four spot uh, that's really simple. You can see that one coming. But uh, I do just want to play devil's advocate a little bit because 
I really do like Washington. I like Jake Browning. I mean, I, he should be in the running for the Heisman. I don't know if he's a serious c- candidate yet because you have Lamar Jackson at Louisville, and he's the clear-cut cut front runner. The thing about Lamar Jackson, the 30-1 to 1 odds, uh, he's going to win the Heisman right now. And the UConn women, when they had that impressive undefeated season that went all the way through, they had 9-1 to 1 odds. So if that tells you anything about uh, how uh, Lamar Jackson, hey, what his highest chances are. But I think Jake Browning for Washington should be considered. Uh, what I'm worried about with Washington, though, and I think this is going to play itself out as we go along, their strength of schedule. I mean, Kenny, I, I don't see really anything impressive on their on, on their resume. I mean, they had to win at Stanford against Stanford, but Stanford, as we see now, is just not that impressive. I've not seen it, that Pac-12 schedule being a – it's really going to really help them out as we keep going in the season. That, and that's another thing. It, 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 that's where the one loss for Ohio State comes in, right behind there. And if, if if they can somehow still win out the Big Ten, I still think they can overtake Washington, even if Washington does run the table to get that spot in the playoffs. Yeah, and you bring up Ohio State, and I think Ohio State season and Michigan season all hinges on that one game at the very end of the season when they play each other. And I, just for the sake of the show, I, I would like to make a prediction for the get, that game, even though it's three or four weeks out, the Ohio State-Michigan game. I think Ohio State is going to win that game, actually. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> I, had mute, I had to mute the mic on that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think Ohio State is going to win uh, I, win that game against Michigan. You know, I, I know Michigan's been beating people, like throwing up 60, 70 points or whatever, but when they play a, a defense like Ohio State and a team that can score like they do, uh, and I don't know if they've quite seen a, an offense like Ohio, like Ohio State's yet, even though Ohio State does have a, kind of a vertical downfield passing problem right now, and – when you have that problem, we talked about this before, Kenny, it doesn't really set things up for the run that Ohio State has. But really, Ohio State has a, a really good resume going into Oklahoma, going into Wisconsin and getting these big wins. And I think they can do the same thing against Michigan. The only the only other scenario that I would see would be something that happened a few years ago whenever Alabama and LSU played in the regular season and LSU won. And they were, I think they were undefeated going to the, uh, the championship game. And then they play to get Alabama again. Maybe two teams from the Big Ten get in if they play a close game, like a real nail biter like that. But I, I almost agree with you. I think Ohio State is going to win. And if that's the case, I think Michigan will be on the outside looking in at the time. Yeah, and it, it's crazy to think that Michigan has been this dominant all the way through. They're probably going to be undefeated all the way to the Ohio State game and still not get in. And it's that whole, is it? best to lose early or lose late well in that case it would just suck real bad for Michigan to lose that late uh, because if they lose Ohio State they will not be in the top four and Ohio State will and I don't even care if Washington wins out uh, a one loss Ohio State will get in above Washington. I agree 100% agree on that one Uh, the rest of the top four you know number one Alabama two is Clemson three is Michigan that that's been really non-glamorous. That's the way it's been the re- all season so far. Uh, the to other me, team out to me, Clemson's like that team. Like I think it was last year, the Michigan State got beat by fifty or something like that in the playoffs. They're the team that could do that this year. They just they just don't have it all together like they did last in the last two or three years. 
Yeah, they don't. And, you know, their, their defense this year, to me, doesn't look as impressive. And also, they, they rely too much on Deshaun Watson. And if, if teams can contain Deshaun Watson, Clemson is very beatable. If, yeah, he's a savior. If he has a, even a mediocre game, you've seen that this year. They should have lost two or three. I mean, they've gotten lucky this year so far. They could have easily had two or three losses and be like 14th or 15th right now. So to be in the top four still right now is a blessing for them. So let's like look at the top with with Alabama. They had the game at the very uh, end of the year. Auburn is looking really good right now. They're ranked ninth in the playoff picture. Uh, Kenny, do you see any scenario where Auburn can get the win against Alabama? Another maybe another I kick six. I don't see them getting a win, but I see it being like a, almost like a game like last week against Alabama and LSU. I think it will be a closer game than what people think. And the way Auburn and LSU have been playing lately, I mean, they're both top ten teams in my mind. So is uh, LSU's defense really that good, or do they just expose a, a chink in the armor uh, of Alabama's offense? I think LSU – I think their defense is uh, elite level. But I think Alabama – they – so I don't know if they play down sometimes, but I think last week um, they should have put 20 or something up the way, when I was watching it. Um, the, what they did, LSU did expose them a little bit, but Alabama still has the capability to run 30 or 40 points up any elite defense in my mind. Now, I tell you what, I really like the way LSU looks with Ed Orgeron as head coach. If he if they just do not make him head coach, then – I don't know what to really do with Ed Orgeron because that is that is one hell of a hell of a coach. I mean, he when they fired USC or fired Lane Kiffin at USC on the tarmac, Ed Orgeron took over at USC as the interim coach and turned that program around to more of a winning program, a better looking program than what Lane Kiffin had it. And now he's doing the same thing at LSU. I I love uh, how they look right now with Ed Orgeron. He's done every single thing that a head coach does. I mean, he stepped in for a team that was struggling, and it's usually a perennial top ten team at least. And he stepped in when they were struggling, and, he, I mean, he's that team to be most elite, elite level again. I mean, they're they're back up there contending every game. They gave, or they gave Alabama one of the toughest games of the season, probably the toughest game of the season. Um, I don't think you can ask him to do any more than he's already done. Yeah, I mean, LSU, please, take the Cajun cookie monster you're a head coach. I mean, for the love of God, please. Because it, he he's got that program heading the right direction, and just I mean, at just a couple of games after uh, firing Les Miles, uh, LSU ha- has had a different look under him. So please, LSU, I'm reaching out. I love Edward Drawn. Uh, that's your guy. I mean, don't look anywhere else. Don't call Tom Herman. Don't call PJ Fleck. Don't call any of these uh, you know these top coaches right now. They're looking to to get out of their their uh, smaller schools they're in. I mean, Edward Drawn's your guy. Uh, he, he's been an interim coach at big programs. He, he's been around. He's been a coach for a long time. Uh, that's your dude right there. He, I mean, if he, if he doesn't get hired there, I'm going to start following whatever team he does go to because they're going to be elite level too next time. I need to get some Ed Orgeron sound bites with the show because uh, I can listen to him talk all day. It, it's comical, but at the same time, it, it it's kind of satisfying, you know. <laughs> I mean, he's a great interview, great – seems like a great guy. I mean, I don't know him personally. Uh, all right, that's he enough of it. He fit there. He fit because uh, Les Miles is an odd guy too. I mean, he fit. Les Miles was never a normal interview either. 
Right, you know, I, I don't want to have an Ed or, or drawn love affair here, but uh, I mean LSU, that that that's your guy. Agreed. All right, so we'll uh, round out the college football playoff here, number six, Louisville. I mean, to me right now, I honestly do not see any scenario unless some of these top four teams get one and probably even two losses where Louisville can get back into the top four because the rest of the schedule for Louisville, I just don't think has the firepower that the, uh, play, the, the playoff selection committee is looking for. I mean, they had a game against Houston. Houston has a couple of losses. Uh, Houston just isn't as good as we thought they were at the, at the beginning of the year. Kenny, do you see a scenario where, uh, even though I would like to see it, I think it'd be cool to see Louisville in the, back in the top four and in the playoff, but do you see a scenario where Louisville gets back in? I looked and looked. I really don't. But uh, whatever, whatever they do the rest of the season, Louisville is a team to watch. I mean, they're fun. Their offense, is, they can score as soon as they get the ball in one play. I mean, they could put 60, 60 or 70 up in the, in the bowl game. Whoever they play, they don't get a play up. And then number seven, Wisconsin. Uh, there's actually a, a little bit of love out there for Wisconsin, depending on what happens with the Ohio State, Michigan, and Wisconsin gets in that Big Ten championship game. Uh, honestly, can tell you that the way the Big Ten divisions break down, I don't know which division Wisconsin is in. But there is a, a little bit of talk out there that Wisconsin could be that two-loss team because we're always talking about a two-loss team that can crack the top four. You know, it hasn't happened yet, but there hasn't been a long history of the playoff here. This is only year three for it. But uh, Wisconsin is a team they can win the Big Ten championship and they get a little bit of help a- a- ahead of them. Wisconsin could probably get back in that top four. And, you know, and it's bad, too, because if they don't, there's always uh... – one and two lost teams that are just outside that are looking in that deserve a spot in there or that could actually play with the teams that are in the top four. That's why I'm, I agree with you every week that at least eight teams need to be in the playoff. Yeah, that's exactly, Kenny. <laughs> yeah, you've been on the show enough. I mean, you know me. I, I was, that's exactly where I was going. This needs to be an eight-team playoff because as, as it is right now, I think Wisconsin, they should have beat Ohio State. They held Michigan to 14 points. If that defense, I would love to see that defense go against Alabama. I think Wisconsin matches up with Alabama, but we will not get that opportunity to see that happen because there's only four teams allowed in the playoff. It needs to be eight teams. It, it, it just – until that happens, there's always going to be – you're always going to wonder what if this team would have got in or what if that team would have got in. And, and the champions always going to have that question mark above their – above their symbol, saying, well, I didn't really play this team or that team this year, but we still got the win. Until they get to eight teams, you're just never going to know. Kenny, you ready for college basketball season yet? I've been ready. I've been I've been rushing up on my Kentucky. Of course, you know that every, every week. I, uh, I've been hyped for this team for a while now. <laughs> it's a long time coming after last year's disappointing balls. What was up with the Kentucky when they dropped like 156 on somebody the other day? I mean, come on. They won by they won by 97, but I don't even think I, the team might have been a high school team. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, what was the team? Uh, you know the it was, team uh, was? I think Clarion. That's where that's where uh, Coach Cal. That's where he went to uh, college at. That's who they played. Really? Yeah. <laughs> they were up right, by 103, so... I think, at one time. Wow. Yeah. I mean, did, did Calipari ever call out the dogs, or did he call out the dogs in Kentucky? Just that well, I think loaded. He, 
I think he called off the dogs, but even the third team, I think I outscored them by like 50 points in the second half. They are – Kentucky's another team this year like they did a couple years ago. They have the platoon system where they can have two starting fives in there at any time. You know what's crazy about tomorrow, and, and uh, this is a national broadcast. We're based out of Evansville, Indiana, and I don't want to talk trash really about our local team because I love the Evansville Aces. I, I really do, you know. Uh, but, Kenny, I think tomorrow they go on the road to play against Louisville. Is there any scenario where Evansville can eke out a win? If they had Valentine, everybody back, possibly. But, no, there's no way on this team at all. Um, if uh, they can I, keep it in 30, I'll be happy. I consider driving over there and watch that game. But, uh, yeah, I'm just not going to. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, Evansville. I, I, I do support you. I do get behind you. I do go a lot of the home games. Uh I really am happy to see uh, the University of Evansville step up and play a stud team like, like Louisville. I mean, they do it every now and then. Uh, well, in the past five years now, they've played IU a couple times, uh, you know, some of these programs. And actually, when Purdue came here to Robert Stadium, you know, when Robert Stadium was still here, and Evansville beat Purdue. So uh, that's maybe the in my mind, the back of my mind, that uh, Evansville can go over to, uh, to to Louisville and get a win. But I don't see it happening. And it's crazy even talking about it. I just really wanted to give uh, Evansville a shout-out. Oh, yeah. Last year, Evansville's team, I, that, was, that was the best squad we're going to see on that team for a while. Um, I hated that they didn't go to the postseason. That's what I was really mad about. They should at least have the NIT buzz in my mind. That's right. They should have had the NIT. And when they decided not to go to, go to one of the other – lower tournaments, postseason tournaments. I was kind of mad about that because I, you know, they got that CIT uh, championship, you know, from last year. And I, and I wanted yeah. to, well, two years ago now, I guess, yeah. two seasons ago. And I wanted them to go back to that and, and defend it. You know, I don't know if that'd be the first time ever two-time defending champion of the CIT, but hey, man, uh, that was a cool win. That was a cool tournament to get into and actually win it. Something to hang your hat on for the next season and I would love to see them like go again and at, at the time I was like man if you if you don't go to those tournaments if you turn them down uh what kind of a, a effect does does that have on recruiting you know that's exactly the, the when I learned that uh, they had turned it down that's the first thing I thought I was like well if there's people out there that are trying to come they're seeing this now like well if we even have a decent record we're not gonna go anywhere so why should we go there it makes that's sense. exactly right that's a my thought process, uh, what was their record? They went 22 games two last eight. year? They, yeah, 22 or 22 and 9 or 22 and 8 or something like that. 22 games. They should have went to NIT, but that doesn't make them too good to turn down to another postseason tournament. You know, I was mad about that because I didn't think that, you know. One you know, shot they, away it, from getting an automatic bid. One shot away from an automatic bid. Last second shot, and they would have had the automatic bid. Yeah, I mean. They should have been in the in the uh, NIT, but uh, I, I just don't think they were just too good to turn out a tournament. Now, I enjoyed I enjoyed watching them or hearing about them going through that that tournament two years ago. I mean that even though it was a lesser tournament, that still gives you fanfare, that gives you notoriety, and they gives you something to build on for the next season. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I, I know this year they're already starting out tough. So I think Blake Simmons is out for the year torn at the L. Is that right? Yep. Exactly right, yep. Yeah. Little Evansville, man. Uh, 
I hope they at least go over to Louisville and make a good showing, uh, keep it under 30 points, I guess. Uh, yeah. Not trying to be comical about it or whatever, trying to really diss Evansville or because, you know, I love those old basketball. Like I said, I, I go to a lot of the games, but, uh, man, they got a tall one tomorrow. Tall, tall, all order. It's, and it, it, uh, Louisville's so athletic. They can get up and down the court easily. I mean, Evansville has a couple guys that can score, but they don't have anything like the team they had last year. And like I said, if they, if they keep it in 30, that'd be a good game for them. I need to get the uh, Balsy High School basketball roster. I don't have it with me, but uh, I do know Rick Pitino was here in town about three weeks ago and looking at one of the uh, Balsy kids. So, you know, that, that's pretty cool. And that, that's how Louisville does it. I mean, Balsy here, here in Evansville, Say what you want to about them in football, but in basketball, that is a damn good basketball program here in the state of Indiana. Yeah, uh, I mean, Evansville has been known to have some pretty decent basketball recruits in the past, um, and they just keep uh, selling out talent. And, and, and the big, and the big coaches and the big teams looking at them, and, and that's a really, uh, that's a real good step up for the Evansville area. All right, Kenny, we're going to get into the uh, Armed Forces Classic. Uh, like I said, I'm not all that ready for college basketball yet, but I don't think there is really, I don't know if if tomorrow is the official, the official opening day for college basketball across the land, but for a lot of teams that it, it it is. And if this is opening night tomorrow night, I I don't see any slate of games outside the final four that is going to beat this slate. Uh, The armed forces classic has Arizona versus Michigan state and Indiana versus Kansas. I mean, come on, Kenny. That that's that that's a Final that's, Four caliber opening night. That that I mean that's four elite teams. That's where you want to start out the season. That's what the college basketball fans are asking for, and that's what they're getting. I mean, you, you I mean you you can't really get any other four teams in there any better than that, except for maybe you know what team I'm talking about. And you know, uh, we'll get into Arizona, Michigan State uh, just quickly here because I know this is teams that you and I both don't really follow. Uh, Michigan State lost Denzel Valentine last year. The Wildcats have won four of the last six, uh, but I don't think they've played since 05, the Maui Invitational. Uh, who do you got in this game, Arizona, Michigan State? I think Michigan State pulls it out. Even even when Izzo loses competitors and, and loses players to the NBA or, or wherever they go, he still comes in with a loaded team the next season. They might not start good, but they'll finish good. I, I, see, I see them pulling out that game tomorrow. Did you know Tom Izzo's one hell of a uh, accordion player? No, I did not. I did not. I, around Christmas time every year, I don't know if you listen to the, uh, the Dan Lebitard show, which I actually, yeah. absolutely love that show. I mean, that's kind of what I want this show to turn into because, I, I to me, my favorite is Stu Gotts. If I could be Stu Gotts, that would be awesome. If Stu Gotts ever come, come on this show and uh, – Legendary. That'd be awesome. But yeah, I would love this show to turn into the Levitard show or, or so, some form of that without trying to copy what they do. But uh, Tom Izzo goes on the Dan Levitard show around Christmas time every year, and they have a segment where he just plays the accordion and plays Christmas songs on the accordion. Tom Izzo. Well, so he's got, he's got an afterlife or after college coaching now. He's got a gig right there. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I'm actually with you. With that pick, also, I I I will not pick against uh, Michigan State and Tom Izzo. Uh, 
I did get the chance to see Arizona play when I was stationed out there in Davis-Monson because that's in Tucson. That's where the University of Arizona is. And I actually got to see Lou Olson's one of his last seasons as a head coach, and that was Luke Walton actually on one of those teams. So I got to see them play, so that's cool. But, uh, yeah, I'm taking Michigan State. So And then the uh, the late game tomorrow night, I, be, I believe that's 8 o'clock our time or central time. Uh, Indiana versus Kansas. Uh, Indiana is ranked 11th. Kansas is ranked third. Kenny, I, I, I think you're going to take Kansas here because you bleed blue. You can't take Indiana, but who do you have? I think it's a close game. I really do. Um, Indiana's really – they do really have a talented team. I think Kansas does pull it out by maybe no more than five or six points, but I think it's going to be a great game. That Indiana is, is really loaded this year. Uh, OG Ananobi, Thomas Bryant, uh, Blackman's back. You know, they have this uh, freshman who can shoot the lights out now. Uh, the Hoosiers have the overall series lead, which seven to six. I can't believe they only play like 13 times ever. Uh, that just, that's kind of actually mind blowing to me as to, long as these two teams have played basketball and how historical both teams are. Only 13 times, and IU has a seven to six series lead. Uh, I'm going to take Indiana on this one because that is my favorite team. It, it is a, a heartfelt pick. It's not a pick with my head, but I, I will take IU in this one. That still wouldn't surprise me if they ended up winning, though. It would not surprise me if Indiana won the game at all. So originally, the uh, Armed Forces Classic was supposed to take place in Pearl Harbor, which would have been uh, incredible. All four teams are wearing uh, special uniforms tomorrow. Uh, you know, the I think Michigan State's are camouflaged. IU's are, are, you know, red, but not really that that IU look type red. And, you know, Kansas wearing the blue. They, you know, they say instead of the school name on the jersey, they're saying honor and courage and, and things like that. And, that. and that's really awesome. And originally this uh, was supposed to take place actually at Pearl Harbor. But when they started getting into it and setting things up, they realized they wanted service members and everybody at the game to be able to get up close to the game. And uh, and the way the setup was going at, at Pearl Harbor, that wouldn't have been the case. So they got moved to the University of Hawaii at, at their stadium there. So it would have been awesome to see it in Pearl Harbor, especially a, a team, four teams like this in Pearl Harbor. But it got moved. But no matter how you look at it, this these four teams, these two games, are the best two games I, I won't say that you'll ever see, but this is a, a Final Four caliber opening night. Yeah, you can't ask for a better top four teams that could play in the opening night of college basketball season right there. And we'll make our smooth transition into UFC 205. And Kenny's kind of my UFC correspondent. Uh, I, I do love the UFC. I do follow the UFC. But I do not follow the UFC on the level that Kenny follows the UFC. Uh, we talked about this right before the show, Kenny. Uh it's one of the best cards, the biggest cards that USC ha- has ever had, and it truly is. But most people don't people don't know about that because it hasn't been advertised too well. Uh, you know, it hasn't been advertised in that way. It hasn't been promoted. You know, like we saw with USC 200. I mean, and this card blows USC 200 out of the water. And oh yeah, it doesn't compare. This one, it does not compare. 205 is so much more loaded than 200 was. Yeah, and it sucks that it hasn't been promoted in that way because it really is. I mean, you have Conor McGregor, Conor McGregor, which is the funnest name to say. 
in, in MMA right now in the UFC. I mean, he's fighting. And if you didn't, I'm one of the guys. I'm one of the guys that can't stand him, but I love watching him. If that makes any sense, I can't stand the guy, but I love watching his fights and I love watching his pressers just because of how he is. Oh, definitely. So <laughs> I, I, I'm that same way, but you know, I would go as far as say I can't stand him because I actually love him. I mean, I, I do. I, th- I think I think he's, a, you know, when uh, Ronda Rousey lost and also Conor McGregor lost around the same time. You know, the UFC, I I believe with the whole thing with John Jones kind of hit their lowest point that I've seen them hit in a while. But when Conor McGregor has a press conference, then that builds excitement back for the UFC. And I, I just think that it's so cool, you know, at what he does. And uh, you said there's a chair-throwing incident at this yeah, last one? Um, yeah, I think Eddie Alvarez tossed a chair in the direction of Conor McGregor, and then Conor McGregor picked it up, and then Dana White stood in front of him, and it looked like Conor was going to hit Dana White with it. I mean, it just got nothing again today. Every time Conor McGregor is in the press like that, in an interview or any kind of sit down for his fight, that's exactly what happened. Something like that. Last time there was a water bottle with Nate Diaz. It just, you just never know what you're going to get with him. So it's champion versus champion, Eddie Alvarez, Conor McGregor at 155. And, Kenny, you, you'll be a little better at this than, than I am. Uh, both of these guys are not at 155. Which one is 155 and which guy came down? to meet weight at 155? Uh, Alvarez isn't actually that way. Um, McGregor can go up there because we've seen him fight in 170, actually. He can go that. He can, can go up there. But I think Eddie Alvarez uh, pretty much walks around that natural weight. Also, McGregor's actually smaller. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Uh, Eddie what Alvarez weight class is, is, is... McGregor was uh, one. 40, 145, I think, because he, he still has the uh, the title that he took from Jose Aldo. And I think that's the featherweight, I believe. Featherweight, okay. Because, you know, in, in my head, I was thinking the old boxing, like, fly, like flyweight, but I don't even know if that's like, is that even smaller featherweight? This is where I, I am bad with the, the weight classes of the UFC. Featherweight does sound right to me, and this, this, uh, lightweight title match, it, well, it's in the lightweight division, so they're, is Eddie Alvarez what's going up? McGregor wants to win this one. He wants to go up to 170 and get that one. He wants to go up to 185 and then 205 and then heavyweight. He wants to get every one of them. That won't happen, but, I mean, at least he's ambitious. Well, I, I will say if McGregor wins, I, I'm, I'm just going to say when McGregor knocks Alvarez out tomorrow, he will have two belts. Is that right? Yes, he will. Yes, he will. That's incredible. And you can't stand McGregor. <laughs> no, but you know what? That doesn't that doesn't take away from how talented he is, though, because he can beat anybody in, in the divisions. I mean, he he's that quick, and he has that much of a punch. Um, so I mean, he can he can beat anybody. Uh, how far down the road do you think McGregor DS three is going to be? I was hoping around the first of the year, but every time Dana White talks about it now, he says it's not going to happen. I mean. As a money fight, as a promoter, he might just be saying that right now, but he knows that fight will make money. It has to happen eventually. I do know Dana White wants uh, McGregor to to, uh, defend his title once or twice before he goes back up again and maybe faces uh, Diaz for a third time. Uh, I think that fight's going to happen. They can't leave that fight 1-1. I mean, there's got to be a tiebreaker. As good as both those fights were, I mean, even even 
it when it was stopped the first time, whenever Diaz stopped him, and the second one, the full distance. I mean, that, both those fights were, for what I watch them almost every other day now. I mean, they're just unbelievable fights, both of them. Yeah, so who are you taking on this fight? I'm taking McGregor, obviously. Who do you got? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Alvarez. Alvarez is a strong, strong wrestler, and he's got power. And I've seen him fight in Bellator. And knocking guys out. I mean, he was one of the. He was probably their top guy in Bellator before he left. Um, not saying McGregor can't win because he can. Just one punch is all it takes. And he's got the ability. But I just think Alvarez wearing him down. Yeah, I, I don't. I think after that first Diaz fight, McGregor learned he's not a, a ground guy. McGregor's going to keep this thing on the ground. Uh, I hope Alvarez has a really strong chin. I mean, that, how's his chin? He does. He has a real strong chin. Um, he has gotten knocked out, but uh, uh, he has worked on it, and he can take a punch. He really can. Well, McGregor can too. I mean, so it, that's why this fight is just—it's just—it's made to happen. Both these guys they did not like each other. Um, the presses have been great so far, and I, I think it's gonna be great action on Saturday night. I think Alvarez is actually the only guy in the UFC that's actually been a champion in Bellator and a champion in the UFC. So if that tells you anything about uh, Eddie Alvarez, I mean, there you go. Yeah, He lost his first fight ever whenever he came over to the UFC, but I don't think he's lost one since, and he, he's chomping at the bit to get in the main card like he is right now. So the welterweight title, Tyrone Woodley, looks sculpt, like he's sculpted out of granite. Uh, this used to be my favorite weight class, you know, 205 light heavyweight, you know, was awesome. Five ten years ago, but my favorite fighter was a George St. Pierre welterweight title, and this uh, the welterweight division was stacked back in the day. It, it is not like that now. But Tyrone Woodley is a beast, and he's going against us. Uh, is it Stephen or Stephen Thompson? Because you can pronounce it either uh, way. Stephen Thompson, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. There you go. So what do you see I, happening in this one? I I I think Tyrone Woodley right now is in his prime. Uh, I've seen his last two or three fights, and he's absolutely dominant. Uh, I see Woodley winning this this fight and, and keeping his belt. If Woodley comes in like Woodley can, and if he's focused 100%, I think he'll walk through Stephen Thompson. Stephen Thompson has great stand-up. I mean, he can hit people, and he can knock them out. He's got great stand-up. But if if, if a focused Tyrone Woodley comes in, um, it's, just, it's just hard to see somebody beating him like that. Because he, he, right now he's at the top of his game, just like you said. Women's division, strawweight. There's two names here, and we'll test your uh, your knowledge because I can't pronounce them. Jerick, Joanna, one of them. Jerick. Hey. Yeah, something <laughs> that's like why, that. That's why I got you here, man. That's why I got you on the show. And Carolina. That one. That one. <laughs> I can't even. I can't even. I don't think I could do that one. I think I got. I think I, I blew my wall with the first one. <laughs> I think I did that with the first one. I'm done now. <laughs> uh, I don't think it matters. I think, I think, I think the is going to retain anyway. She, to me, is that division's Ronda Rousey. Um, she's had a close fight before, but she's just so much more talented than the rest of that division, in my mind. I don't see her losing in that division at all. And maybe right, and Jajaric, is a champion, and I'm going to stick with that one. Uh, I don't know anything about these two. I honestly don't. So I, I've never heard champion, of she is. She is like a, a, a little Ronda Rousey, like a, a lower weight Ronda Rousey. I mean, she just that dominant. Well, they're both from Poland. They're both undefeated. Jarek is 12-0. and 0. Uh, The other to Carolina, I'm just going to go with her first name, 10-0. and 0. Uh, 
But without uh, me personally, without seeing either one of them two fight, I mean, I'm, I'm going to stick with the champion on this one. There's also a rumor that I heard today. Uh, Tim Kennedy's opponent, Rashad Evans, had to pull out at the last second. He pulled out yesterday because there was some kind of problem. And there was a rumor that I heard today that I read that his replacement, if they get a replacement, maybe Anderson Silva. What? Sugar Rashad was fighting and he had to pull out? I didn't know he was even fighting. Yep, he had to push. Yep, he had to pull out against Tim Kennedy. Sure did. So also on the main car, Chris Wyman, Yoel Romero. Uh, we all know Chris Wyman as the uh, middleweight champion at, at one time. He's the guy that snapped Anderson Silva's leg. Uh, but since then, I haven't heard much from Chris Wyman. He's lost his belt. Uh, he, he's had some losses here. And honestly, Kenny, I don't know much about uh, Romero. Romero is a stud. Uh, that guy hits, and he hits hard. But the one thing that about Romero is he cheats. He does everything he can. He eye gouges. He, he, I, I, he's even bit a fighter before. And he sits on the stool 30 seconds longer than when he should, and he doesn't get any penalties. I mean, he does cheat. I, I, I'm not a big fan of his, and I hope Weidman takes it. I like Weidman. I mean, yeah. He's one of those dudes you look at, you don't think he's really a fighter, but then he, like I said, he's beat Harrison Silva twice. So, he does have the Tom Petty can't back down, so I mean you got to right. that too. Also on the main car, Kevin Gastelum, Cowboy Cerrone. Uh, I tell you what, Kenny, I really love Cowboy Cerrone. I mean this dude, probably the toughest guy in the UFC. If that fight does, if that if that fight lasts more than a minute and a half, I'll be surprised either way. I think Cowboy comes out there. And he just he just obliterates Gaslam. And Gaslam's a good fighter. He really is. He won the Ultimate Fighter uh, TV show. But Cowboy is just on another level. When he comes in focused and actually wanting to fight and maybe get uh, better for a championship, another championship opportunity. I don't think I don't see uh, Cowboy getting beat. And then also on the main card, the number one contender, uh, women's division here, Misha Tate versus Raquel Pennington. I love Misha Tate. Uh, I think she's absolutely beautiful, stunning. You know, I I know my wife doesn't like that too much, but uh, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, her last fight, though, if, uh, pretty embarrassing for her, the way she got beat by Amanda Nunez. And I think when it, Nunez and Ronda Rousey get together, I think Amanda Nunez is probably going to do the same thing to Rousey because Nunez is, is an animal, yeah. Uh, I think Misha Tate is looking forward to this, really getting back in the ring because of uh, the ring, the octagon, because of the way she lost last fight. I mean, she, she's better than that. Uh, she got completely just taken off her game that last fight. I, I think she's going to really take it to uh, Pennington on this one. She's a, she, uh, no bones about it. Misha Tate is still a, a, an excellent elite women's fighter. She is. I mean, her record may not say that, but you just look at the competition she's fought. I mean, she's fought the who's who. And, uh, the one bad thing, I think Pennington, I think, has a chance to beat her. And I think if that happens, we might not see Misha uh, fighting in the UFC. The one thing watching Misha Tate that I can't stand, really, is she does the whole, uh, to me, it looks like she does the, the rope-a-dope strategy where she's kind of rocky. She's the human punching bag for a little while and wears the opponent down. And then she starts to go in with her takedowns and, and going after that. And maybe that's the strategy she, uh, strategy she used against Amanda Nunez. And <laughs> Nunez is just flat-out vicious. 
she's vicious anyway. She's totally vicious in that fight. And I, I think like Tate. Oh, yeah. Uh, Tate cannot do that this time. She can't. Uh, she's going to have. More of, she's going to be more of, uh, of an aggressor this time. You'll probably see a different type of Misha Tate this fight. Um, she might do some of her same stuff, but I think she's going to be a little bit more aggressive this time because she knows this may be her last opportunity. Uh, I hope so. Uh, I hope she gets to win here. She's number one contender, so whatever happens with Nunez and Rousey, uh, Tate's going to have the, the other chance, but she's got to get the win right here. Yeah, I, I think I don't think that she can afford another loss in that division. All right, Kenny, we will leave it there, sir. We will leave the episode right here. That sounds good, bud. Thank you for having me on again, bud. Hey, thank you for coming on, man. You always got my back. No I need somebody to come on with me. <laughs> there you go. No problem at all. I'm, I'm available every week, buddy. No problem. So uh, that was Kenny Galloway. This has been the Morsab Alto episode of the Option Pitch. Uh, happy Veterans Day to all veterans out there. Uh, like I said at the very beginning of the show, I mean, you you veterans truly are the, the heroes uh, of the country here. And uh, you keep us safe. You protect the country. I couldn't be a, a hack radio host without you. So thank you for everything you do. And uh, next show, next Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. I try to keep a schedule, even though last night I had some technical issues, but uh, this week, uh, next week, we'll be back at it again at regular time, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. I'm Rick Riggin. Like I said, you can find the show or reach out to the show at Option Pitch on Twitter, at Riggin underscore Rick. Uh, download on iTunes here in a little bit. Tune in. Podcast Addict. Find us on YouTube. Uh, that wraps up the show. Thank you for listening to the Option Pitch. Mm-hmm.